Welcome to the Sustainable Clinical Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Smith. I am a practicing rural family physician and the charting coach. This is the podcast for physicians and advanced practice providers who are ready to step back from the busyness of their clinical day to share ideas, question everything, and redesign their clinical day. We are redesigning clinical medicine to create sustainable clinical days and create time for our lives outside of medicine. Join us for discussions with world experts who are helping design sustainable models of clinical medicine and the physicians or clinicians who have discovered or designed sustainable models of clinical medicine for themselves. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back. Today, I have special guest, Janet Whalen. Janet is a sleep and stress management coach for midlife, high-performing women, a former insomniac, 40-plus years, turned great sleeper. Janet is passionate about helping women give themselves permission to sleep, rest, and care for themselves after years of giving everything to work, family, and others. Janet's coaching membership, Permission to Sleep, helps members sleep better without pills, potions, or needing anyone else's permission. Janet is a certified life coach with the Life Coach School and has also been trained as a co-active coach through CTI. She is trained in CBTI. For those of us who are in medicine, we know what that means, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia and is a certified mindfulness teacher in training. Before she found her own sleep solution, she was a marketer, family photographer, and mom to her two adult sons. She's now empty nesting in Southern Ontario, Canada, with her husband of 25 years. And when she's not talking about sleep, she can be found reading, kayaking, gardening, and hiking. Welcome, Janet. I will let you introduce yourself. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. I was thrilled to get your invitation. I love talking with you. And yeah, I think you've covered it with my intro, but I've been a sleep coach for coming up to three years, I guess, two and a half anyway. I was a business coach prior to that, but close to six years coaching altogether. <laughs> and we've coached together before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to mention that. So Janet is here because she was my sleep coach. Uh, when I was recording the core modules for the charting champions program was the week that I also did my introduction call with Janet. And I like to badge Janet the honor of having found me three extra hours a day, a day. Remember, I'm all about creating time for your life. And Janet found me three extra hours. How did she do that? It's just, we'll just call it magic. Um, It was really (laughs) about learning more about sleep, more about relaxation. So that is why she is here as part of my guest experts. Okay. So one of the things that I found extremely useful and really hadn't appreciated when we started working together was the idea that over our day, our stress levels get higher and higher as our day goes on. Do you want to elaborate on that sort of understanding for us? Yeah, I like to, I like to refer to it as insomnia being a 24 hour problem, right? And this is, it kind of starts right from the minute we wake up in the morning how we start thinking about our day that's to come. And sometimes this even happened in the middle of the night for some people, 
you wake up at 3 a.m., you start doing math in your bed, which I forbid in my program, and you start worrying about your day. So when you start worrying about it from the beginning and you don't have any uh, methodologies or any kind of habits that are around learning how to relax your brain and your body on purpose, that stress just compounds and compounds. And, you know, we know, or most of us know this about our nervous systems, that (laughs) they're there for a reason. They're there to keep us safe and to protect us from outside threats. But they don't know how how to relax us automatically when the threat is coming from inside the house. (laughs) I'm pointing at my brain right now. (laughs) So if you spend your whole day worrying, stressing, it doesn't even have to be about work. It can be about anything that's going on in your life. And you tend to not address that until later in the evening. That's when your brain's going to start spinning on all the things that haven't been worked out. And you, and as soon as you've got a stress response happening at bedtime, which, which means sleep is impossible. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when you first introduced me to the idea of, um, guided relaxation as a way of intentionally bringing down our stress response or cortisol levels, I was kind of like most of us physicians, a little bit like, that's a bit woo. (laughs) I don't get how that's going to help me. And where am I going to find 10 or 20 minutes in my day? And I think the thing that really turned it around for me was when you said they did studies on pilots, fighter pilots in the war and emergency department physicians And with this training, they were able to fall asleep within three minutes, despite being in the the middle of an emergency department shift. And if there was room enough to get 20 minute nap or um, those fighter pilots who were kind of coming into land and had 20 minutes to turn around, that was their opportunity to sleep. I'm like, wow, clearly this is a skill set that I would definitely be be excited for in the middle of the night when I'm on emergency department shift. Um, And then there was the, if you get good at this, you could do mini micro relaxation. And I'm like, still thinking it's all new. (laughs) (laughs) But the incredible difference that it makes when you're on the phone as a you know rural family doctor talking to the tertiary center trying to send out someone critical but you can start to bring intentional relaxation into your body while you're on the phone with the specialist in the city just that 60 seconds of pause it can make incredible difference to how you're going through your day how busy and full your brain feels and how how you end up in bed at night and getting to sleep. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I like to, I was talking with another coach one day about just marketing stuff and we were talking about positioning. This is total aside, but it relates to this. And I said, I would position myself as the sleep coach that Gwyneth Paltrow would never have on her podcast <laughs> because everything that I teach is evidence-based right there it it does feel a little woo at first I think because we've grown up and learned in school and everything that you know we shouldn't be able to control things this way (laughs) but we learned wrong Mm -hmm. and we actually can control what's happening with our hormones we can control our heart rate we can control our blood pressure all it's all science actually (laughs) 
and it works. And it's fascinating to see people learn how how well it works. And the thing that you said about like doing a 60 second one in the grocery line or wherever you are, right? It's it's impactful even even just in a few moments. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing I learned that I had not previously appreciated was bedtime and sleep is not the time to learn guided <laughs> relaxation. That's yeah. the time to be annoyed most definitely by it. Um, and that you had given me strict instructions to do this at my most relaxed for the day. Like when you finally get home and you get to kick your shoes off and sit on the couch for five minutes, that was the time to do this work. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really a lot about conditioning, right? So we want to pick the times when our brain is most likely to be successful to start and then keep doing that over and over again until our brain just goes, oh, this is a no brainer. Like, of course I can do this. And then we can move it to our bedroom and to bedtime. But we don't want to frustrate ourselves with, and, and the, there are times where, or there are people for whom this kind of guided relaxation is not extremely helpful. It can actually increase anxiety. And so within my program, I have several other modalities like yoga nidra and tapping and which I used to think were pretty woo, but <laughs> have seen the have seen the benefits of it. And I'm this is why I'm working on a mindfulness meditation teacher training, partly because we need to learn how to relax in ways that work for us, but also because and we can talk about this topic more, but the type of women who I work with who tend to be, you know, really well-educated, hard workers, really productive, productivity focused, need to learn how to be. Mm. <laughs> We're really good at doing, not yeah. so good at being, right? Yeah. And this process is really about being because falling asleep is, I, I liken it to a dimmer switch, not an off-on switch, because we just need to let, learn to let it happen. It will happen on its own when we allow that to happen, but we get in its way with trying and effort and education and but, 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 and how will I ever stop this and the stress? So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I had ever learned sleep well through any of the things we did in medical school. Um, and certainly like Bringing, raising two children and the different stages you go through in your career and your motherhood and then coming out the other side and trying to do new and different and exciting things and getting to a point where I was like, this is getting to, getting to sleep is like difficult. So I, uh, yeah. Tell us more about the ways you work with, with busy women. <laughs> <laughs> this sleep yeah. thing we all deal with. <laughs> yeah. So one of the, when I first started, I was really focused on moms because I, I kind of thought this is a group of women. I, I was a mom of older teenagers and I thought this is a group of women who aren't used to taking time to focus on ourselves. But what I quickly learned is that the people most attracted to this work are this sort of high performing, high achieving women with lots of education who are just used to constantly kind of pushing and doing, you know, A plus work and going above and beyond and not understanding that sometimes B minus is acceptable and actually preferable. <laughs> right. And having been one of those women, I'm highly <laughs> attuned to what that feels like. And there's 
there's a behavioral model for sleep called the three P's, which was designed by a neuro, uh, a neurologist in the, I always want to say the eighties, but it might've even been the sixties. And it's still accepted to this day as a, you know, a way of understanding why some people get insomnia and others don't. But I like to add that there's three more P's and those are perfectionism, people pleasing and productivity focus, because every single woman I've worked with in the last two and a half years on this, it's been one of those three things. And, you know, relationships and other things kind of factor into one of those, but it's, it's those mindsets that are preventing us from being able to relax, to, to be with ourselves, to, like you said, you found three hours in your day, which is by far my favorite testimonial, by the way. And <laughs> I, I've had many, many women who struggle to feel like that's a good thing. They'll mm-hmm. say things like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that time. If you're going to buy me more time, I, you're terrifying me because I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I've got to fill that. And so we end up working wow. on that, right? Yeah, exactly. They also tend to suffer from something called revenge bedtime procrastination, which is tell us more waiting till bedtime to decide you need me time. Uh. (laughs) Right? Because you're constantly you've come home from work, it's a busy day for your clients, they're still learning how to not bring their charting home, right? And they have maybe some time with their family, they're running around with their kids, it, they got to clean up their kitchen or their house or whatever. So they feel like everything's done and complete, and they can now relax, they get in bed and they go, I need their brain just wants to rebel against the rule of bedtime. Mm-hmm. And they decide, oh, this is time when I should be scrolling on social media, or maybe responding to some emails or whatever the case may be. And with that comes thoughts like, I deserve this time for me. It's the only quiet time I have in my day, that kind of thing, right? So instead, we let, we want to work on how do we get that during the day for you? How do we teach you to relax during the day? How do we teach you that you are important during your day as well? And how we, you know, create a schedule that works for your life the same way that you're doing with your mm-hmm. clients, right? Yeah. Yeah. So very important. And revenge bedtime <laughs> procrastination. I get that. I was just talking with one yeah. of the physicians just this week about exactly that, the whole procrastinating bedtime because I want to do the things I want to do. Finally, everybody's asleep. I finally get my time yeah. to myself. Yeah. But you're just stealing time from yourself yeah. and you're making your next day harder because yeah. you're not going to be as well rested. Now, we do tend to over-dramatize, you know, uh, tomorrow's going to be awful unless I get mm-hmm. eight hours sleep, whatever. That's not necessarily true. We have a lot of really dramatic thinking about how much sleep we should get. Insomniacs also way overestimate how much they're awake and underestimate how much they sleep. So yes. <laughs> they take all of this with a grain of salt. But yeah, that that feeling of this is the only time I get for me is really, really damaging. It's really, it's one of the things that's creating stress that's raising your cortisol level at bedtime instead of lowering it. Because mm-hmm. melatonin and cortisol don't work together. They're they're like opposites, right? We need cortisol to be low so that your body can produce the melatonin that it needs. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Another really interesting thing I learned about sleep was waking up. Yes. <laughs> and the 
the sentences that my brain would come up with about how my sleep must have been because of how I felt in the morning. And I know this is something you teach really well, so I might let you try and explain it before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember you saying, I just want to have the energy of Tigger when I wake up in the morning, right? Absolutely. You, you are so, you are in my head a lot about this kind of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. So we think, just like we think we should be able to turn off a switch and fall asleep at night mm-hmm. without kind of preparing, we think we should be able to just wake up in the morning and be raring to go and, you know, have no grogginess and no sort of after effects of sleepiness. And it's just not true. I sort of liken waking up to like a computer booting itself up in the morning and all the different parts of our brain are waking up at different, you know, in different ways and maybe even at different times. There's some evidence that your um, prefrontal cortex might be one of the last parts to to fully waken up. And that's why we feel like we're not capable of getting going because that's where sort of our executive functioning part is coming from, right? And the the planning part, the, the one that has our goals in mind. So there's also something... There's something to the idea that some people aren't morning people. That... They have what's called sleep inertia and sleep inertia can be even a bigger sleep disorder. But for most people, how it shows up is just taking anywhere from like 20 minutes to 40 minutes to really feel awake. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It just Mm -hmm. means that that's who you are, right? There's two people like that in my house (laughs) (laughs) and we just know, don't talk to them for half an hour and then they're fine. But if we can just learn to say to ourselves, I don't really need to be like awake and energized and ready to attack my day. I just need to get out of my bed. Mm -hmm. That's all that needs to happen right now. Everything else will come. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you do my program, you know that waking up at the same time every day or very close to the same time every day is pretty important. So this does come up for people. (laughs) This is one of the key uh, battles we have with our brains in the morning, especially when we're learning that sleeping Mm -hmm. in on weekends is probably causing a lot of our insomnia, right? And then our brain can say things like I've had clients say, oh, I've left my alarm clock on the other side of the bed so that I'll have to get up and go and turn it off. But then I just sleepwalk back to my bed. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, that's just not true, (laughs) right? Sleepwalking tends to happen at the beginning of your sleep, not at the end, for one. Mm -hmm. And you are awake. You're awake. You're out of your bed. Just stay out. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, let's not make excuses for it and call it sleepwalking. It's not. You're awake. You just don't really want to be up yet. And that's okay. Yeah. 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 So I think those mornings when you wake up like Tigger and raring to go and wide awake and feel amazing. And our brain says, oh, I must have slept well. Yeah. Or that's what my brain would say. I must have slept well. That was a great night's sleep because I woke up like a Tigger. I woke up raring to go, bouncy, good to go. And so therefore the mornings when you wake up and you're like, no, it can't be morning yet. Uh, I'm so tired. And we link that to, I mustn't have slept well. And I think that that just learning that those two things were not connected and saying to myself, I learned 
this sentence, which was very important. It was, I don't have to wake up. I just have to get out of the bed. Yes. Waking up will happen Waking in the up next will little while. Exactly. I'm not supposed to feel like Tigger every morning. I think just like when you have a wonderful experience, you realize what it could be like. What it can be like, yes. What it can be like. And so you just kind of want that perfect every day. And it's just not a reality for the human, especially when we're doing things like call and we've had those late nights and, you know, everything just gets a little out of sync. It's normal. It's just totally normal. Waking up. And I think another supportive thing to think in those moments is even if I am a little extra tired tonight or I feel like I didn't get a good sleep last night, which may or may not be true, mm-hmm. I get another chance tonight. Yeah. And because I feel this way, there's a chance I'll have an even better sleep tonight. Yes. Right? We get a new chance to do it every 24 hours, which is awesome. <laughs> And then the other thing about, you know, thinking that we had a great sleep because we feel like Tigger in the morning, often, and people don't realize this, we can feel worse from having too long a sleep, Mm. right? So I don't focus on sleep quantity as much as sleep quality. I try Mm -hmm. to help clients reconnect with what it feels like when you feel rested, what it feels like when you feel drowsy, what it feels like when you've had a day that you haven't spent a quarter of it worrying about how you're going to sleep tonight. <laughs> yes. All of that conversation leaving your head is so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's where a lot of where a lot of my clients find the extra time because we don't realize how fatiguing constantly having to make decisions about this, constantly thinking we have to think about it. And most of the time it's not even helping anyway. So we're doing all this spinning around for absolutely no purpose yeah but when we have that time back to ourselves it's yeah it's like a gift (laughs) yeah it is a gift yeah another thing I see um coming into the sleep is comparisonitis Mm. so when you hop into bed next to someone who is reliably asleep within 30 seconds of hitting the pillow and seems to wake up predictably the same way every day it can you start thinking there's something wrong with you and you start to have yeah. all these stories about um, what sleep should or could or isn't for you. <laughs> yeah, which leads to a stress response. <laughs> but yes, I always say insomniacs and good sleepers find each other as partners, as life partners, <laughs> because this is often the case. And it's often the woman in a heterosexual couple who is struggling with with sleep, women do struggle with insomnia more than men. And a lot of that is to do with hormones, particularly when we get to perimenopause and menopause, but even earlier in life, I think it's mostly us who are worrying about whether or not all the dishes are clean before we go to bed. (laughs) I know my husband can sleep whether the kitchen's clean or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. So that was the story of my life for sure. My husband can fall asleep hanging from a tree branch. He He can nap wherever he is, whenever he wants, at the drop of a hat, feel fantastic when he wakes up. I still haven't achieved that, but I'm okay with it now. But yeah, we the reason that this is unhelpful is every human has different sleep needs from another human, right? There is, we like, we hear in the media that eight hours is the recommended 
amount or the healthy amount. And if you're getting any less than that, you're doing certain damage to your body and you'll develop Alzheimer's and all these horrible things will happen to you. But we know from research that it's actually closer to seven. And this research was done on millions and millions of people. And it compared length of time slept to all manners of dying and terrible things. (laughs) So we can be pretty confident that seven is a good healthy amount for most adults. There Mm. are some who can sleep less and there Mm. are some who need eight or nine. And that's where the importance of learning about sleep quality and what feels good to you Mm -hmm. is important. And, And so I address this by helping clients really treat themselves and their bodies like in this whole thing, like an experiment, Mm -hmm. right? So they'll come to me with a question, well, what about this? And I heard this, or I heard that. And my answer is always, well, let's just try it and see. Yeah. Right. Let's see what happens for you because we can't know because your husband or wife or sister or whoever can achieve this doesn't mean that you should or can, or that it even matters. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Any other areas that you think that my physicians need that I haven't covered yet, that they need to have kind of some understanding of? Yeah. So I think the general topic that I would address here is that sleep really is an inside job, Mm. that it's not something we can often now. So I'm going to separate sleep disorders from Mm. sort of classic insomnia that's not brought on by a medical problem or a psychological diagnosis and say that all of the external things that we try, like, you know, weighted blankets and blue light blocking glasses and things that we see as referred to as sleep hygiene on the internet. If we were to search, you know, why can't I sleep? You'll get a whole list of get room darkening curtains and keep your bedroom at you know, 68 degrees or whatever it is, none of these things will help an insomniac sleep better. They only help good sleepers (laughs) sleep better because they're all external. They're all out there Mm -hmm. and they can't all be replicated every night, wherever you are. The only thing we take with us wherever we go is our brain. And so if we can address this with our thinking, with our way of being, with learning how to relax and, and create a a relaxation response when we're experiencing a stress response, we're going to be a lot better off for the long term. And we can probably avoid a lot of uh, sleep medications. And, you know, we've talked about this too. Of course, there are all kinds of reasons why some people need to be on some medications, (laughs) but I get a lot of clients who were prescribed Ambien, which is really only intended to be used for short term, who've been on it for a decade. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's probably not helping them anymore. It's probably doing absolutely nothing, (laughs) but they have a belief that it's, they cannot sleep without it because their doctor prescribed it. And it's, it's a really challenging thing to get past, even though we know, and we have evidence for the fact that it's, it's, if it is working, it's probably disturbing the quality of your sleep. (laughs) And if it's not working, it's all placebo and it's actually working in, in, in the wrong direction for these, for these particular people. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my biggest thing is that let's focus on what we can do in here yeah. so that we, we quit adding band-aids to something that um, isn't going to be helped by the band-aid. It's going to, it's going to be, a, it'll be a placebo for the most part, 
or it just won't do anything and it's going to cost us a lot of money. And I've been there. So I've tried it all, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's hear your three take home messages that you would like to share with us. Well, I think we've covered a few of them. One was definitely that insomnia is a 24 hour problem, right? Like Mm -hmm. just to sort of hammer that one home. That's learning that I think, you know, when we think of our circadian rhythm, it's a 24 hour biological Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And so we, we need to allow that to happen in the way that we've evolved (laughs) to work as human beings. And that involves sunlight, not just light from a lamp, but sunlight, Mm -hmm. our hormones and our body temperature. And the light is the thing that triggers the hormones, that triggers the body temperature. So we really need to get the light early in the day. Uh, That's one of the key things. And it's one of the reasons we don't want to be sleeping in. But also, you know, we're meant to be connected with the outdoors. We're not meant to be huddled away (laughs) in our dark homes. And our homes, even if your house is very well lit and has great light, it is still much, much darker than your body as a human being was evolved to work with your circadian rhythm. So focusing on that 24-hour cycle, knowing that your eight hours of sleep also depends on you having had 16 hours of being awake before it. Right. Right. It's all goes together. It's not separate. It's a sleep cycle. And the whole cycle includes wakefulness and then sleep and Mm -hmm. then starting the whole thing over again. And we need to we need to really address both of them in order for one or the other to work because the same works in the opposite. If we're not sleeping well, then our wakefulness is impacted. And we're tired all day. We're (laughs) all that kind of stuff. And we don't want to feel that way. So, yeah. It's an inside job. It's a 24-hour process. And don't beat yourself up if this sounds challenging, I think is the big, like, if this sounds like there's no way this could work for me, I've tried everything, I've heard it all, I've heard CBTI doesn't work, uh, you know, there's a million different things that I've heard from <laughs> from people who think this might be for them, but you know, they're just, they're not willing to stop arguing for their insomnia. Yes. Right. They want to hold on to, if I have this problem, then I can explain away all this other discomfort that I'm having. Yes. Yes. And I can explain away why I'm not performing at work. And I can explain away why I'm arguing with my husband and my kids. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But we want to get to a place where that just doesn't even register as something to think. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't I want people to get to a place where they're no longer questioning whether they're I'm using air quotes right now, someone who can follow a sleep schedule. Mm. Right. You can because you're a human and you're designed to. <laughs> In fact, doing it the opposite way is it feels like a treat because that's what we've been taught. Right. We've been taught like, you know, reward yourself with a luxurious lion in the morning. And, you know, this cozy, we see all these cozy, lovely pictures of women working in their beds. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff is so counter to what our brains actually need in order to sleep. We don't actually want work happening in your bed because at night your brain's going to go, oh, this is where I work. 
this isn't where I lie <laughs> and rest and, and get rid of all the daytime stress, mm. right? We want our bedroom to be a sanctuary. We want it to be for a certain purpose or two. <laughs> yes. Yes. But so not so important. Yeah. I just love the parallels that um, come up when you talk about sleep and the impossible thoughts that follow um, that there's any chance that someone could be a good sleeper. Uh, I have exactly the same arguments thrown at me by, you know, people saying, you know, a, a, a clinical day where everything's done is impossible. And then they're <laughs> able to blame life chaos on the fact that work is impossible. Like it's so important that we understand that what our stories about our lives, we can have some possibility of change no matter yeah. what it is you're struggling with this is what I I have loved and learned about coaching is I get to look at all the sentences my brain comes up with all the stories that I make meaning of about my life and then I get to say and now what do I want to create and go after yes. impossible goals so for me at, when I met Janet Sleeping well was an impossible goal for me. And then having the joy of a coach helping you through what that story is about your sleep and learning the physiology and some of the research that she has um, become familiar with and, and learning that and then putting that into practice. Such a valuable tool. Like I said, I love creating time for myself. So finding three hours for my day was incredible, amazing, life-changing, so worth it. And my favorite question is always like, what do I do with myself now when they're coming home in their homework? So that I get it because I've seen the dismay on faces yeah. when they suddenly <laughs> yeah. have all this time, bucket loads of time. They're like, now what? What do I do? And they immediately want to fill it up with something. And I'm like, just pause yes. and enjoy yourself. Go figure yeah. out what fun looks like. Go figure out what play looks like. Go find the book you want to read. You know, anything that you've been desiring or maybe you just find what is it that I enjoy? What do I like? Yeah, when we've never when we're not used to being able to ask ourselves that question, it feels so foreign and not like and like it it's not for us. Right. But it is. Yeah. And so understanding that that process is normal for someone like these women we're talking about, including I'm going to pat my own shoulder. Mm -hmm. This was absolutely me, but also that I do enjoy, I have a lot of interests and I, I now love the fact that I can spend time <laughs> on those things or looking at them or whatever. Knowing that that's normal, that this is a normal reaction your brain is having to to this, well, it, it thinks it's a problem. It's not a problem, right? It's actually an opportunity. Yeah. And if you can turn it around and look at it that way and think, that, uh, my brain just doesn't want to know what to do with this because it hasn't had this opportunity before. Yes. But now what? What do I want to make from this? What do I, what do I want to include in my life that I haven't been able to include before? Mm -hmm. What if this question has never been there you know, for a reason and mm -hmm. that's okay. And yeah. now it is. And I get to look at this differently. Yeah. So exciting. How do people find you, Janet? Oh, they can find, well, my website is janetwhalen.com. There is a, a free tool there for anyone whose racing mind won't stop <laughs> at bedtime. It's janetwhalen.com forward slash sleep. If you want to grab that, that helpful tool. 
I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Janet Whalen Coaching. And I also have a free Facebook group that you can join at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash permission to sleep. <laughs> My permission to sleep membership in the past and, and still is right now, it sort of opens on a rolling basis a couple times a year, but it's going to be open all the time in a few months. Mm-hmm. So I'll just mention that in case there's someone who's who comes across the uh, the work that says, oh, it's closed right now, you have to wait, just send me an email. I'm working on revising all of that and uh, and I can get you in. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was wonderful to have you back. Thank you for having me. I loved this conversation and talking to you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Sustainable Clinical Medicine Podcast. If you'd like to learn more or join us to help you get home with today's work done, go to chartingcoach.ca. There you'll find all the information on the premier lifetime access charting champions program that is helping physicians get home with today's work done with all the proven tools, support and community you need to create time for your life outside of medicine. We would love to see you there. Until next time. Thanks for listening.